Alright, so, welcome back, folks, and welcome to the first distance meeting of Prisoner's Dilemma. Uh, and hello to all the listeners at home as well. COVID continues to be going, and we decided we were tired of just waiting for it to be done, so we were going to do our best to do something long distance, and hopefully it'll work. We think we've ironed out most of the kinks. But, you know, bear with us, and all of you folks, all you players, uh, bear with me, because <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Uh, last time on Prisoner's Dilemma, the Order Hall members began to do battle with the members of the party. It was legitimately a fantastic battle on several fronts with Yolanda flying to both attack and aid her members in getting onto the boat, getting off the boat, getting up onto the shore, uh, Calry and Steve doing battle on the shores while the boat continued to move along, Planeswalker solo fighting an Order Hall member up on the deck near the controls of the boat, and, uh, generally everybody getting a moment or two to shine. When all was said and done, the party members managed to knock out, without killing, all of the members of the Order of the Rising Dawn, and brought them together to the mast, there tying them up so that they could question them further later. As they met up with Stern, they landed on the idea of lashing the boat to the mounts that she had provided, given that none of them still really knew how to pilot a boat. Stern decided to stay on the mounts in order to give some plausible deniability as the group questioned the Order Hall members on the boat which ended in not much beyond the expected sort of enmity, name-calling, shouting. However, there was perhaps one unexpected thing that came out of the whole thing. When Yolanda, after the questioning was said and done, decided to try to contact this supposed deity directly, and certainly made contact with something whether they were a deity and whether they were the one true god that the Order Hall professes them to be perhaps remains to be determined but most certainly Yolanda was able to make contact with something powerful and frightening a glowing face as if seen distorted through a shattered mirror a thousand facets coalesced into one a voice resonant and dark and deep. A deity, or entity at least, which seemed not exactly to know Yolanda, but to urge her to carry out the pilgrimage herself in order to become closer to Arielor. After that, the group made not landfall, but dockfall, at least, in their boat, 
and was informed by Stern that the date for the justiciary trial had been set for two weeks from now, and that until that time, she would likely not have much use of them. So they were given two weeks leave, told to be back by then, but until then they could leave the city if they wished, and many of them chose to do so. So, that's the recap. Uh, longer than normal, more in-depth than normal, because it has been a little bit more time than normal. And now, we are going to go on to that downtime. So, alright, downtime, going from the top. Actually, you know what? Let's do this a little more fun. Let's have everyone roll initiative. <laughs> we'll do that for downtime. Yeah, everybody get to roll. Go ahead and just punch it into the group chat so that then I can see it visually there. Alrighty, we are going to start off with Armina. Largely, I'm going to be describing stuff to you, but there might be, for some people more than other people, there are going to be some uh, situations for them to kind of jump in and do a little bit of role-playing. Mostly Quixie and Planeswalker. Uh, there's not a lot of role-playing to go along with yours because you were realistically probably the busiest person. You, On the one case, you did the fewest things, but you were quite dedicatedly busy the whole time, so there's not a lot of role-play options for you. So yours is mostly going to be narrated. Um, Planeswalker and Quixie are going to have a couple of RP little scenes and stuff, uh, and Yolanda and Jasmine mostly have covered their RP stuff off-screen, so it's pretty much going to be narration for them as well. Armina, you searched around. You hired a couple of good hands. A goblin with nimble fingers named Winnie. A heavy-set turtle with huge arms named Chester. A sharp-eyed, steady-handed Kenku by the name of Colt. And you went to work in the forge. On the second night, you had a dream. A dream of the likes you hadn't had since the night of Twin Moons. You were alone. Not entirely alone, but you wished that you were. Because while you were alone in terms of being on your own, there were other people there. Hooded figures in white robes attacking you, lashing out with hidden blades and flashing spells, never showing a hint of their face or their hand. Yet you knew who they were, in that odd way you do in dreams. You knew that these were the people who had chased you from your home, come to finish the job and ensure that you never returned. You fight back with fists, with sword and shield, but the battle is a losing one because you are outnumbered. On your side, you are alone. You're knocked down into the dirt, surrounded and outnumbered, but then you feel a shape you know well through the soil, the grip of your pistol. You pull it out triumphantly and fire. A flash, a hooded figure hits the ground, limp, bleeding. Another shot, another falls. Now, you feel, you can win. You can take the fight to them. Then, though, they pull off their hoods and their forms shift and shimmer, and you see that their faces are suddenly familiar. Faces you know. Freckled, pink, bespectacled, or pale and tattooed. The faces of your friends in white robes with gold swords, and they advance tauntingly. 
Your hand shakes on the pistol, and you shout for them to leave, to turn away, but they laugh and continue to advance. You threaten, but they come still, and your finger tenses on the trigger, but you can't do it. You can't shoot any of them, even if they are your enemies. They're your friends. You let your pistol drop to your side, dip your head, and say a soft goodbye to Chris. Then you hear a shout and look up. Planeswalker, devoid of a white robe, wearing his familiar furs and shirtless, rushes in and swings a great sword at the other identical-looking Goliath. Yolanda, wings blazing, swoops overhead with her armor gleaming and her sword clashes with her doppelganger. The two Quixies, one in Order of the Rising Dawn robes and one in black sparkly coveralls, fling fire and frost at each other as the calories, four of them, two each in white robes and chicken suits, circle and taunt, laugh and launch confetti bombs that burn. The fighting devolves as you raise your pistol again. Each Quixie claims the other is an imposter and says that you should shoot her. Both planeswalkers say you should stay out of their fight and let it be even. Both Yolandas are confused, saying that you should probably shoot them and not the other one. The calories are all shouting and cackling at each other, unable to decide who you should shoot. Your hand hesitates again. A moment ago, one Quixie wore black and one white, but now they're both wearing armor of the guardsmiths, and you don't know which is which. You grit your teeth, and huge pillars suddenly erupt around the battle. One, two, three, four, five. Massive, thick, towering spires rising up, bending inward, crushing the whole battle in tighter, wide towers. Fingers. They're fingers, and the battlefield is the palm, and then a fist, crushing tighter and tighter. One by one, the doppelgangers pop and disappear, and your friends are squeezed out between the fingers, ejected until the fingers shift into arms. Thick arms, wrapping you up in a bear hug, and a smiling orc sets you down on steady ground and steps back. Twice your height, huge across the shoulders and certainly across the belly, he looks quite pleased despite being entirely wrapped up in flames. He looked at you with a pleased grin and a nod, gesturing you to join him around a campfire where all of your friends are laughing and enjoying food and drink. You sit and have a stein of mead with Planeswalker, have a little fake duel with a turkey leg with Calorie. You share a roast squash large enough that she could use it as a bathtub with Quixie. With Yolanda, you have a tray of chocolates that never seems to end, the two of you alternating back and forth throughout the night. Throughout it, the orc remains aflame, but he doesn't seem to mind, and he joins in every toast, he joins in every meal, always having some of whatever anyone else is eating or drinking, and partaking in every game which is shared, his eyes twinkling as much as the flames that consume him throughout the night. You awaken from that, confused, slightly unsettled, your heart beating quickly, certainly, but also comforted, somehow, and certainly redoubling your resolve to work. Days of smoke and grit and heat follow, but you emerge with two new weapons, one a long thing of wicked and vicious beauty, steel cradled in thick oak worked with silver in dwarven runescript. Bloodweaver, 
the length of a javelin, but thrice as deadly at least. A rifle of beautiful workswomanship. Aided by your three fellows in arms and armaments, Colt, Winnie, and Chester. After that, you set your sights on something even more ambitious. Inspired by the sparking box you found in the underwater section of the university, no longer sparking, but still capable of giving a shock, as you found when you touched it with a wet hand once out of curiosity, you decide to try to give things a little extra kick. Colt, Winnie, Chester, and yourself, Armina Wesensmith, work hard over the forge, running it as hot as the stone will allow, stoking it as high as the bellows will permit, and in the end you hold in your hand a heavy and cold testament to all of your work. Iron Storm, a six-shot revolver with that sparking box integrated slung underneath the barrel. Flicking a little switch would give you a little more jolt to that shot, but at the chance of things being a little more likely to go wrong, it might have cost much, and certainly much time and dedication, but with Iron Storm in a holster at your hip, and Bloodweaver slung across your back, and with a smirk on your lips, you couldn't help but think that any price would have been worth this and you go to regroup with your fellows at the Limp Seahorse Tavern, knowing that Planeswalker won't meet you there, he will meet you out on the road where you intend to get up to some goblin slaying. So that is Armina. Planeswalker, you are up next. Planeswalker, you left the city following the road. You knew you had to follow the road. You were hoping to go out on the roads, do some bounties, do some protecting, do some helping folks, and then meet up with Weary's Watchers, and most specifically Karktos, to show off to him a little bit that his advice had helped you. You always liked being appreciated for the things that you had done, and you figured, you know, best to return the favor. Plus, he's cute. So you leave town and you follow the road. Unfortunately, there are several roads. You didn't exactly keep track of which one's which, and you asked people which road goes to the forests. There are several forests, um, and... So, Planeswalker, you left on the road. You figured it was... Fine. Uh, the first day, you caught up with a small caravan of a half dozen or so large wagons, looking for a little extra protection on the first leg of their journey. You agreed to go along with them, because that's as good a job as any. So you went along, looking big and imposing, doing your best to keep them safe, followed them along to an inn called the Rough Dog. There meeting the innkeeper, Chris Gilmore, a green dragonborn with a gold tattoo around his right eye. The caravan met their other hired guards there. The guards had been delayed by a storm on their way in. And they thanked you, paid for your stay and your meal, and plenty of mead. So you spent that night very happy, but oblivious to your location, given that the stars were quite blurry, making it difficult to judge your location. Or your position by then. The next night, or the next day rather, you continued 
along that road because that was the way you were already heading. The next night, more sober, you realized by the stars that you were going in the wrong direction. You turned around to head back toward the forest, going through the fields instead of following the roads because you figured that is going to be more your speed or your style. You were asked for help on the way there. A farmhand had been stolen away by a beast in the night, and the farmer hired you to retrieve, or at the least, avenge him and ensure that this beast wouldn't be preying on his farmstead anymore. You went after it, tracking large and peculiar tracks, footprints, something dwelling in a cave, large and powerful, seemingly half man and half boar, thick wiry hair and rough tusks, but you beat the beast back with sword and claw and shouts, whilst dodging the worst of its blows at least, emerging not unscathed, but not ravaged, although the beast itself seemed far less susceptible than normal to your weaponry. It escaped and ran far, and your experience wouldn't be likely to return to the same hovel. Most beasts like that, once run off, tended to establish a new home base, so to speak. The farmhand was luckily still alive, captive perhaps to keep fresh for a future meal. You weren't certain. You returned him to the farmhouse and took advantage of their gratitude, enjoying a meal of hot stew and spiced roast, a deep flagon of corn liquor from a small still in the basement, and a very pleasant evening in the barn loft, looking out at the night through the window. In the morning, you made your way back to the cave, found a few broken items and a few still useful, a short sword of orcish make, and a dagger about the length of your hand, its black blade glassy and smooth. You're not entirely certain necessarily how strong it would be, given how much it looks like glass, but it certainly looks very fancy. You tried to track the beast over the next few days, but you lost its prints after a while where they crossed paths with a group of wild boars. The one you'd fought had had larger tracks, thicker hooves. They, they didn't look like normal boar tracks, but for some reason you weren't able to pick up the trail again. After they joined together, they blended in. After a little more investigation, you chalked it up as a lost cause. You'd heard stories of beasts that shifted into men, or vice versa, in several forms, curses or ailments. You suspected that might have been what you'd found. After that, you were able to make your way to the forest, where Rhea's watchers frequented the road, skirting around it until you found yourself eventually at the Drunken Huntsman, the inn sunken into the dirt. On your way there, you also had a dream. Planeswalker, you are in the woods where you should be. You feel the ground beneath you. Every blade of grass, a rock, presses into a rib, but it isn't uncomfortable. It is right. You look up at the sky, no clouds, no storms, no thunder that sounds like laughter, only the large, bright, beautiful moons. 
You see them change phases as you watch, as if you passed through a month's worth of nights within seconds, two months, three. The moons wane and renew, waxing and ebbing in a dance around each other until they are suddenly both full in all their bright, beautiful glory. Two full moons. You hear footsteps at the edge of the clearing, and your arms snap down, elbows driving into the ground to push you up. You grab at your sword and hold it at the ready, turning to face the potential threat. It is no bandit, though, and no hungry beast, but a woman of odd proportion and form, somewhat unsettling. Her skin is greenish with brown patches, her hair like thin vines and tendrils of creeper, growing leaves even, and her eyes are as two moons within dark skies, black around and glowing white in the center. No pupil. In form, she is vaguely humanoid, but certainly not human. Her sharp teeth protrude slightly at every opportunity from her lips, and one of her hands has six fingers while the other has only five. The fingers themselves are of different lengths, but all end at the expected places. It's where they begin that changes, some starting deeper into her hand, and others shallower, branching out at odd and irregular intervals. She looks at you with a lack of fear which is almost worrisome in itself, but you lower your sword and watch, curious, as she doesn't seem hostile. In the shadows behind her, others stir. A white jaguar comes forward, dropping the bloodied corpse of a wolf at her feet. A ghostly apparition floats forth, dimly becoming clear as white hair, long on the almost invisible ebony-black form of an elf, wearing thick furs and trapper's tools with a bow strung across her back. However, her ears are not elven, but those of a snow fox, white like her hair. She and the green-brown-skinned woman dip their heads to each other, and she lays down a bundle of white-furred rabbits with snares around their necks. Then another pair approach, a thick-armed orcish woman with a round belly and a bow made of thick iron straps, as well as a bandolier of partridges across her chest, and a starved-looking wastrel of an elf with a long, thin blade dragging a deer. These two, and the pair comprised of the Dark Elf and Jaguar, watch each other warily, but they all form a circle of sorts around the green-skinned woman who lights a fire and sets the animals on a spit over it. She doesn't seem to be in charge, yet they all seem to be there for her, none of them exactly looking your way. And after she finishes the fire and spit, and it all crackles happily, she holds out a hand and gestures you forward, her fingers curling in an alien fashion. Your eyes flick from hers to the moons in the sky, and back to the moons in her eyes again. You hesitate, and then awaken. From the Drunken Huntsman, you head into the forest, following the road along. At least this one is relatively easy to follow, and you're quite certain that it is the correct road. You fairly shortly do find Guerrilla's Watchers patrolling the road as they do. They look up at you and, and wave with varying levels of excitement and happiness. Uh, Wyria walks forward, already holding a hand out for coins. And I will put uh, five gold coins in her hand. All right. And uh, inform her. My friends will be along shortly. She nods, takes one of the coins, bites it, flips it into the air, and catches it, hold it right up next to her ear as if she's listening to the resonance of it to tell what metal it's made out of. And then just shrugs and stuffs them all in her coin purse. 
What if the rest of them are fake? You only tested one. Well then, you've earned it, haven't you? I suppose. And you see a shadow shift behind her in the underbrush, and out comes the fairly familiar form of Karktos as a wolf. Larger than a normal wolf, and with a pink feather from one of his ears, which is pierced even in wolf form. He steps forward, comes up to you, face shifts into a simulacrum of a grin, and he stands up and starts to change, shift before he rises, limbs thickening, lengthening, until he is standing before you no longer as a wolf, but now as a half-orc. I want to see if there are any animals around. Okay, give me a perception check. That'll be a, a 24. All right. Uh, yes, you you take a look around, and you don't immediately see any animals, or at least not any larger animals, but you know that there are almost certainly some around. So you crouch down on the edge of the path and look around in the fallen leaves and debris there. And you pick up a small little pill bug, put it on the back of your finger, stand up with it. I, I will cast Speak with Animals. Okay, good plan. Um, the pill bug is walking along your finger, basically just saying, Walk, 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 so walk, walk, walk. It's still so fucking cute. Okay, and I will say, uh, Greetings, my small armored friend. Hello. Hello. Would you like to uh, assist me on an endeavor? Help, yes, help. And I will cross the clearing to Karktos. Mm -hmm. And uh, with my hand held up in between us, I will ask the pill bug, would you mind waving to my friend there and saying hello? <laughs> the pill bug sort of arches back as much as it's able to and just wiggles all of the legs that are in the air and says, hello. I love him. I love him so fucking much. I would die for this pill bug. We must keep him. <laughs> yep. And it just goes back to walking along your hand. Walk, 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 walk. Um, I will uh, tear off a tiny piece of ration from my pocket and put it on my hand with the pill bug <laughs> as I talk to Karkdos. <laughs> it walks up to the little piece of ration and then stops at it. And you can hear it's monologue go from walk 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 to eat 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 <laughs> Karktos reaches out a hand and just barely gently pets a finger along the pill bug's back. I listened to your advice my friend. Yes I see you've been busy. Well yes I uh I talked to the trees and I learned some things from the trees and then the trees talked to me and now I can talk to them The trees spoke to you Yes. Well, that's that's what you said would happen. You talk to the trees and they they teach you things, right? Yes. But so quickly. Good. I didn't realize there was a timeline for it. Well, oftentimes it takes a long time, but it seems as if you're a swift study. Good. No one has ever said that about me before. I appreciate it. What else have you been up to? Um, a lot. We, we've 
done some competitions and found some things and places and cultists. But you know, it's all in a day's work. What about yourself? Much the same, much the same. We've been continuing to deal with the fallout from these beasts, from the beasts and the goblins alike. Oh just... yes, my friends will be along shortly to uh, help us with that goblin problem. Yes. Hopefully they don't get lost like I did. You got lost? Well, I mean, I, I tried to follow the road. Because that's, that's how my friends always manage to get us places, is following the road. And I know you guys guard the road. But it turns out I was on the wrong road. What I mean is, you meant to end up here. Yes. Well, yeah. Then how could you say you've been lost? You meant to end up well, here. Well, I mean, I, I unlost ended up here. Was it just the end that matters and not any of the stuff in the middle? You've ended up here. That's what you wanted. Interesting. So can you only speak to the animals? Or is there more to it than that? Well, I mean, I can hear them, too. This little guy is saying, eat, 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 eat. <laughs> yes, so he is. Pet, pet, pet. What I meant is, do you have other newfound abilities. We go roll a wisdom save to see if I just thunderclap in the middle of the forest. Uh, oh, no. Is that a wisdom save? Do you think that's a wisdom save, DM? If I just I say it be or fair. do it? Sure. Oh, it rolled underneath my switch. Uh-oh. Okay, okay, okay. Thankfully, I have a plus two to wisdom. 13 means that I'm not gonna thunderclap in the middle of the forest, guys. So I will not thunderclap or thunder twerk. Okay. <laughs> but it's so difficult to do with a pill back on your hand. Well, I learned a couple of other things. Um, I learned how to do this, and I will mold earth some of the filth that is constantly on my body. Of course, as you do. And, what better way to demonstrate uh, this power on a dirt path in the middle yeah, of a forest than obviously. by using your own personal supply? What if muck? someone else had plans for the dirt that was already on the ground? <laughs> yeah. I can only turn speak on your for my hardcore. own dirt. <laughs> he turns into a wolf, he probably licks his own butthole. Come on. <laughs> it's so romantic. Not wrong. <laughs> And I will make uh, a little ball of dirt. Did you just confirm that Karkdos licks his own butthole? He didn't not confirm it. No, he said, you're not wrong. No. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Probably is not wrong. Only well in wolf form, right? Yeah. Okay. It's a, it's a great it's a great tactic during this time where TP is so valuable. Exactly, right? <laughs> die hard. Like those people buying bidets. Ahead <laughs> of the curve, he is ready for it. Yep. <laughs> oh dear. Um, so And I will I will make a very, very tiny ball of dirt. Like very tiny ball. Small very yeah. tiny. And I will just roll it towards the pill bug. Like like we're playing catch or something. 
Oh. oh. <laughs> he, he plays fetch with a little ball of dirt. Yeah. You, you flick oh it and he runs and rolls it back. Hmm. Well, that's quite interesting. What? How? How large can you work with with that? Well, and I will um do 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 excavate a five foot cube of dirt from the road. Okay. And this lift is that up. Five foot cube. Just the dirt within it starts to rise at the edges and just pile itself into a mound around the outside of the hole, making very quickly a quite sizable hole in you target the the edge of the path where it's fairly loosely packed um obviously i'm not yeah. an idiot very quickly making a pretty sizable hole and then filling it back in again question mark? no not filling it back in again i didn't say that okay <laughs> i'll walk over to the edge of the hole and go i'd say about that large an impressive demonstration well I think there's something that I could use your help with. What What do you require? Well, there's a mother wolf and her cubs who have been chased out by the goblins. And I've been working on finding them a new den, but haven't really found anything suitable. I feel like this would help. We could create one. What's her favorite color? <clears throat> well, as I can wolf... also do this, and I'll turn the pile of, or I'll turn some of the stones in the surrounding area blue. <laughs> Kartos sees that and grins a little bit. Well, as a wolf, you can only see a few colors, but I think normal earth colored should be fine. She doesn't want anything fancy? I can just ask her when I meet her. You do that. Now I've got to look up what fucking colors dogs can see. Basically, dogs can see blue and yellow. Sick, I chose one of the colors they can see. And that's about it. I'm so smart, guys. So, Kartos leads you into the woods a little while and leads you to a clearing where underneath a large fallen log there is sheltered a large wolf and five small pups. Babies. Um, as we are walking over there, by the way, just because Speak With Animals only lasts 10 minutes, mm -hmm. I want to ask the pillbug if he will accompany me as a companion or if he would rather live in the clearing. Come. Aww. I promise to feed you well and protect you, my friend. Oh no. And I will transfer him oh, up no. into my furs. He can live wherever he likes. Hangs uh, all little, little fibers. <laughs> that's cute. Uh, you know they eat like decaying matter, right? Just drop them all the corpses you make. Well, yeah. Dude, Perfect. it's Planeswalker. He's got plenty of decaying matter on his own person. You're not wrong. Ew! <laughs> it's, it's been at least a week since he's seen Quixie to clean him off. So. No one's yep. pressed <laughs> him in a while. Oh, no. 
so yes, Karktos leads you into this this small clearing where Mother Wolf and Pups are. And at first, she leaps forward, growling, snarling, fangs bared. Karktos quickly shifts into a wolf, steps forward, issues a couple of quick barks and which i can understand because it's still within 10 minutes is it not necessarily still within 10 minutes no he he leads you a ways off into the undergrowth okay well yeah you can only do it once per day huh yeah roll me a dexterity save to see how quickly you can get through the undergrowth 16 16 okay you and Kartos are able to go actually pretty quickly once you can say hey we should go quick so i can talk to her you uh almost sprint through the woods leaping over fallen limbs ducking under low branches avoiding all of the various pitfalls and holes in the ground you manage to make it to this fallen tree and wolf mother and pups with a little bit of time left. You know there's at least a little bit of time left because when you come into the small clearing, you hear intruders! She jumps forward, snarls, and you hear back! Away! It's alright, my lady. I'm, I am here to assist you. She looks at you very confused, her ears flat, plastered to the back of her head, perk up slightly, even though her lips stay drawn back. I cannot talk to you for much longer. But I have a very important question. In your den, what is your favorite color? She looks confused for a second and then looks up to the sky. Yes, blue, I was right. You can see a little hole in the canopy above that is shining bright blue. Uh, So I I will pick up a little pebble and I will make it blue and I will... Place it on the ground in between us as peace offering. She comes over, sniffs at it, nudges it with her nose a little, picks it up gently between her front teeth, and walks up to you. Can I pet her? Can I pet that dog? You reach out to pet her. She shirks away a little bit, but remains in place and lets you pet her. Yes! You've made so many friends. You can pet that dog! Then she tries to shift her head around uh, to bring her, her, her mouth and her muzzle more toward your hand. Snoot scritches. She tries to drop the rock into your hand. Aww. To give it back to you. I will uh, help Karktos with my muscles and my mold earth to build okay. a den for her and her cups. Cool. Cups. He directs you and what it should have what it should be shaped like things like that and you spend a while there probably an hour or two because while you can move things quite quickly it's only loose earth and so sometimes you need to loosen up the earth yourself sometimes there are roots there are rocks there are other things that need to be dealt with and so sometimes you need to get in there with other tools to be fair as long as the stone fits within a five foot cube i can move it. yeah you can move it yeah, yep. it's only like boulders and stuff. Yeah. But you're able to clear out a very nice den for these for these wolves. They go in and you, you make the inside as blue as you can. 
it's only gonna last an hour but only gonna last an hour but hey the den itself will last longer than that you do that as well you make sure that it's nice and stable that it's not going to collapse it's not going to slough in nothing like that she goes in she barks a few times pups run in as well you can see them jumping on top of each other playing rolling around Karktos shifts back into his half-orc form well done she's she's quite pleased with it so this should be good i'm glad her and her young deserve to have a comfortable place to live yes at least for now And presumably, uh, yeah. Yeah, it leads you Spend off back and you chat more. The rest of the time just hanging out with Weary's watchers. Waiting yeah, for yeah. And you do various other little helping out things as they, as they need it. Uh, mostly fairly utilitarian. There's not really any fighting that happens. The day after that, uh, the rest of the party does arrive. So not an incredibly long period of time. Next up. I would like to point out that I am adding to my trophy page one pebble gifted by a wolf. Good. Mm -hmm. Where's our seduction check? Who's Skylar? Uh, Pole grabber. Oh, yeah. Okay. I was like, I just looked at that page and I have one lock of Skylar's hair. (laughs) You're welcome, by the way. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks, bro. I mean, yeah, I'll roll for seduction. Like, I would like to bone Karkdos that night. Roll, roll, roll a persuasion check. You have inspiration? Uh, nope. Oh. Not according to my sheet, at least. Do I have inspiration? Oh, great. Uh, mighty DM with a crown of plants, it looks Let like. me check here. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I am the ultimate druid. Uh, come on, Paige. Load, please. Pebble. <clears throat> Gifted by a lady wolf. Uh, you do not currently have inspiration. So, persuasion check. Persuasion yeah. check. <laughs> Nat one! Oh, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Nat one with the zero modifier and my halfling isn't here to help me. Sorry, Sorry. I cannot. That's okay, you'll have, you'll have wingmen tomorrow. Wingmen. Yeah. Maybe oh, I'll just get too drunk. Other people to get him laid. He's, <laughs> <laughs> He's unable Karktos. to seduce anyone on his own. He's just too straightforward. Karktos just honestly, he just seems to not even understand what you're asking. Somehow, maybe for the best. You honestly. don't know what exactly happened. You felt like you were being quite straightforward, but somehow. He doesn't seem he doesn't seem upset. He doesn't even really seem like he's saying no. He just legitimately doesn't understand what you're asking for all somehow. Right, which I'll is just stupid. sit in the woods with him all night, I guess. Okay, Quixie, you are up next. Oh no. Yes. Quixie, you go to the Courier's Guild. Yeah. And inquire about teleportation to Rickatinzi or wherever near there you can go. It does take a little bit of convincing, but at this point, they're fairly... The, the the head of the guild, the guildmaster, is... I would say resignedly familiar with you at, at this point. And it doesn't take much convincing for him to lead you back through. And you're quite excited upon seeing it, because while you've seen teleportation circles before, you've never used one. 
and you can feel the magic of it surge up as the runes light and the center of it becomes a huge portal which you step through and in a flash you're back home you can hear already the familiar sounds of the hustle and bustle of Workatinsey streets outside of the Couriers Guild that you've arrived in. You leave, and you are home. You're underground. You are surrounded by everything you used to be. And a wave of nostalgia comes over you immediately followed by a wave of all of the unfortunate things of being out in this kind of crowd and you're like ah no everybody stay away ah stop it no yep. too many uh -uh. <laughs> yeah mm, bad bad <laughs> you make your way pretty quickly to the university you track down the professor that you sent the message to um, but you make sure first that you have copied the book and read it for yourself it takes a bit of time to read the book. It's very thick and very dense and written in a different language that requires comprehend languages. Even after being translated, the prose is archaic and occasionally confusing. It slows you down a little bit, but you're able to get through it, most certainly. It's written mostly as a second-person account. It shifts at some times almost into an interview or an autobiography type of form, mostly at the beginnings of chapters. It talks loosely about the creation of vampires, how the greatest and most beautiful, closest and mightiest of the prince's nearest consorts was given over to the beast to devour, and the beast clamped his mighty jaws around the elf and devoured out not his heart, but something deeper, something mortals cannot touch, and the elf was forever changed and fled in horror and fear, and the prince was rewarded for his exchange. This is one long run-on sentence in the book, Hence, demonstrating some of the awkwardness and translating it. It describes some of the vampire's facets. As is commonly known, it is true, of course, that he abhors sunlight as any of his kin. The touch of it burns and peels. He has as well aversions to waters suitably purified and made holy, to waters which run with a degree of swiftness and power, and to stakes of wood through the chest, though we can hardly begrudge him that, as we all most surely share this weakness. And do not many find themselves unable to tame or brave a raging stream? It is also true that such a one as he cannot enter a living place unless invited in, but rest assured that if one such as him is met, you will find yourself quite desiring of such a thing. It also describes some of the powers of vampires. He finds himself quite swiftened now, though he was always fleet of foot, and in strength now he is nearly unparalleled, and constitution as well, finding himself quite capable of shrugging off even injuries most grievous. Some beasts heed his voice, and he can even take the form of a bat and thus go unseen amongst his blood-drinking brethren. The hunger it has this to say of, and when spoken to, he will gravely describe it as a most terrible thing, that every second of every minute with every missing beat of his stilled heart, for it beats not within his chest, he hungers, a deep and abhorrent void, to refill that which the beast devoured from him. And as the beast's bite spread the hunger to him, so too does his bite spread it to others, if they be buried in the aftermath of their perishing. However, all of these segments are essentially four notes, chapter headers that then shift perspective and follow instead the story of this man, portrayed in a different tense, this 
Vampire, a once soldier in an army beloved by a prince who was wounded and offered him up as a necessary sacrifice in a deal with some powerful entity who is never named. The vampire, from whom the information supposedly comes, only ever refers to him as the beast, and as such, so does the author of the book. The vampire supposedly traveled and slowly became aware of his condition through a series of mishaps and misadventures, through which many of his facets and strengths and weaknesses are made apparent to the reader. As a plot form, you think it leaves a little to be desired, it's a bit straightforward for your particular tastes, but if the information in it is true, then that's useful at least. There isn't any mention of cures, only of things that he considers dangerous. But your instincts have at least highlighted some potential leads. If this author really was doing what it reads like he was doing and getting his information directly from a vampire, then perhaps that vampire could be tracked down. The author himself likely is no longer alive, but if vampires don't die, maybe he's around. He's not named, but perhaps he could be traced through his adventures and exploits, again, if those be true. There is also this The Beast figure, who surely if anyone knew how vampires worked and how to cure them, it would be him. Little is described about him, but again, perhaps through the exploits mentioned, his identity could be discerned. The Prince has likely perished by now, but as an Elvis prin Elvish Prince and General, there likely would have been stories, if not even more concrete records, about him which might help pick up some of those other leads. So you find some useful information about vampires and their functioning, most certainly. But there, there really is no mention of cures. You go and take this book to the professor. And you hand it over. After having transcribed a copy for yourself, of course, mm -hmm. uh, with use of that spell. When you hand it over, he says he has no interest in the book. And he refuses to take it, handing it back to you. So you now have two copies. You try to protest, but he protests stronger. You take the book back, frustrated, kind of leave his office, but you notice that there is something now tucked into its pages. You take a look, it's a blank sheet of paper. As you experiment with it a little bit, you discover that it displays letters in the presence of magic. Using your spells, you're easily able to read the hidden message. It reads, Never know who's listening, not safe to discuss openly. Messages must be secret. Rolling your eyes a little at the paranoia, and the fact that you weren't given a direct way to contact him, you figure either he will contact you, or you can just send him angry sending messages for the rest of his life. <laughs> that one, that one, that one. Yeah. <laughs> you do manage to find Harold, and with a good-natured roll of his eyes and a grin, he agrees to let you take a glance through his notes, on the condition that he gets to look through yours, too, saying that if you've been on adventures, you must have found something fun. You learn of several uh, useful-sounding spells, including a higher-level abjuration one called Mind Blank, which you think would be just about the perfect one to prevent any sort of intrusions or problems from things like brainwashing, uh, intrusive mind control spells, anything like that. And it gets you thinking about potential lighter versions of the same sort of thing that you could start working on. He also teaches you a spell, Locate Object, joking that maybe if you know it, you'll be able to find your own quill and stop needing to borrow his. <laughs> I haven't had to borrow your quill in ages. No, you say that, but that's only because you've been gone for ages. 
Yeah, that's true, I suppose. It's good to see you again, at least, and I'm glad you're getting up to something interesting. The most interesting thing that's happened around here is Professor Wilkinson forgot his notes and had to do the entire lesson off of his head, and that went about as poorly as you'd expect. Yeah, he's not exactly the best teacher, is he? No, but it was funny, at least. That's something. That's true. What are you getting more... out of here? Oh, let's see. I think I've got another three seasons left until I'm done with my my primary studies, and then I don't know. I guess I could try to I could try to pursue something with that, or maybe I'll maybe I'll go back into secondaries, get a master's. Well, can I just say, in the first couple of weeks out in the real world, you're going to learn way more than you ever did in any of these halls. Well, maybe I should give that a try then. Just get out of here after the primaries and see what's out there. Take a gap year. Yeah, that's not a bad plan. Uh, maybe, uh, I don't know, which which direction should I go? Mm. You could go to Salon Maurice. It's pretty nice. Where's that? <laughs> it's across the ocean. You'd have to take a boat. Across the I'd take a boat. Oh, well. Oh, I'm selling. That's good. I mean, I have been looking for somewhere to get rid of all my extra money. I, I've just got so much of it, you know? I don't, I don't know where to put it all. So eh, dumping it into a boat seems to make as much sense as anything else. I mean, you can just buy passage. You don't have to buy a boat. Well, yeah, I figured, but that can't be cheap, can it? I guess I've never actually tried. How much does boat passage cost? You probably know you're an adventurer. Well, we stole the first one, so... Um, you stole the boat. Yeah, you know what? I I put I don't know five gold in his hand, and I just say, tell you what, if you meet me there, then I'll, you know, tell you all about it. But oh. I'm gonna leave you hanging. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, have a good one, Quixie. Hi, <laughs> Harold. So yeah, let me know if there's anything else I can help you with. Oh, 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 if you see my, if you see my family, um, just, just shush, okay? Uh, don't worry, that won't be hard. Okay. Uh, then you take to the bazaar in the marketplace looking for some gifts for your friends. Yeah. It's a gorgeous place, the Workatanzi Marketplace. Five stories, or at least five Namish stories for Planeswalker, who probably be one and a half, of ramshackle stalls, shacks, balconies, outcroppings, balustrades, people hawking their wares, brightly colored fabrics, glittering, glimmering objects, and intricate little designs of various inventions. A million things. Scents and smoke wafting through the air. You go looking, and you find some good, good things. You find uh, actually all of the things that you're looking for. Do you do you want me to say them, or do you want to say what they are? Um, I'm going to role play giving them to everybody. So, I'll just okay, them cool. You find the plant that you were looking for is a. You end up finding it. It's a non-chlorophyllic plant adept at living underground, but it needs to be fed organic matter, living or dead. Pale white tendrils make up almost the entirety of this plant, and when you put any sort of a little bit of its food in there, the tendrils curl around it, pull it into the center, while the whole plant balls up around the thing, slowly dissolves it, and then after a couple of hours opens up again, and whatever was in the middle is gone. 
uh, insects are a common thing to feed it, but it can be fed just about anything from plant matter to animal matter. Cool. It uh, it needs to eat the equivalent of two grapes a day, mass-wise, but can go for up to a week without eating, um, without dying. So, Don't starve your plant. Everything else is pretty much as expected. I'll give the specifics of some of the other esoteric things as you describe them. Um, how much money is all of this going to cost? It's five gold per gift, basically. So 20 gold for, for the lot. Okay. And then 100 gold for travel. You are able to sell the scrolls that you were looking to sell, and you recoup 350 gold for that. Looking around town as well, you were able to find someone who is willing to buy that gem from you, the Star Sapphire. They aren't willing to pay 100% of what you might have expected as the value, saying that there's a certain amount that needs to go into markup of dealing with the stone, finishing with the stone, mounting the stone, yada yada yada, but they are willing to pay you 750 gold for it. Nice. Um, and they essentially write this out as a quote on a bit of paper, they sign it, and they date it, and say that it will be valid for two weeks from this point. So any point within the next two weeks, you have that price locked in. Okay. You make your stoppings off at places of knowledge that you can find sitting thinking that question hanging heavy in your mind you don't get any explicit answer at least not a rapid one but you know that things like this sometimes maybe take a little bit of time and so you you just keep up the thoughts keep putting it out there into the universe and kind of seeing what the universe will return to you you take a look through a couple of shops in interest out of things for yourself. And you find a couple of spells that are for sale that you think might be kind of useful. There's one that is selling scrolls of something called Leoman's Tiny Hut, which sounds quite useful. It's being advertised as a cure-all problem for every camping ailment. Never wake up wet again. Very kind of 50s propagandastic advertising slogans for all of these scrolls. There's a scroll of Locate Object for sale that has a tag attached to it that says, Lost your books again? Keys? Family heirlooms? No more! Find them all and more today! You also find a similar thing for Feign Death, uh, which is actually right near the Leoman's tiny hut, saying that if you get attacked by a bear, it's the best thing you can do. <laughs> You can think of a few spells that you think would be more useful when attacked by a bear than feign death. Yeah. But you're not going to go fighting the uh, shopkeep over them. How much um, are feign death or Leoman's tiny hut? How much are those? Those ones are 300 gold apiece. Woof. Yeah. Um, Unfortunately, because they're third level spells, so they get bumped up to the next cost increment. Calorie. I was going to learn Detect Magic from you, or Dispel oh, yeah, Magic. Oh yeah, Detect Magic. Detect Magic. Was that another one you could learn from Calorie? No, not Detect. Dispel. I was going to learn Dispel Magic. Dispel Magic, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Dispel that. Magic and yeah. Sending were the ones sending, that I had marked yeah. down. Yeah. Can mm. I try and buy Liam Min's Tiny Hut? Uh, yeah. Okay. Can I try and negotiate? 
<laughs> sure, make a make a persuasion check. I try and channel my inner Yolanda. Okay. <laughs> um, Eight. Okay. Nah, eight. Eight. Oh, oh. No. The worst southern accent comes from my voice. <laughs> the person, the shopkeep looks at you uh, kind of confused, asks <laughs> if you're okay and need a lozenge, and offers you the Namish equivalent of like a Ricola. I, I accept it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, sorry, there is something stuck in my throat. I'll buy that one, please. All right. 300 gold. Here you go. Thank you. They take the money, hand the scroll out. So you now have a scroll of Leomon's tiny heart. Woo! Woo! Which is a great spell. I love it so much. Planeswalker's never going to want to use it, though. Nope. I got it for me. <laughs> Although you look, it looks like you're outside, right? Because it can be invisible, so... Yeah, that's true. From the inside, so... When you get back to Lapsalidas, uh, you would get there actually a little bit before you need to leave town, and so would Calry. so you would have time to learn that spell from her. Wouldn't have time to learn both of them unless you stayed up all night. They are both third-level spells. They are both third-level spells, so they will take six hours and 150 gold of I'll wait materials. On okay. I'll just confirm that I want to with Kalari and then Fair. set a date for when I have more money. Okay. Sounds like Fair. a plan. Oh, Kalari, 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 before you leave. Oh, oh, I, okay, okay, okay. I want it. I got you something. I got you something from Rikatinji. Oh. So, um, I got you these. Um, Quixie is going to reach into her weekend bag. I guess she has one of those. <laughs> um, and is going to pull out a set of five different vials, I guess, like little stoppered bottles. And they're full of different little things. And she just puts them out. And they've got like little labels with beautiful like script on them um, that explain what each one is. And she's like, I thought maybe you could add these um, to your next prank. Oh, okay, okay, okay. That sounds like fun yeah uh, okay this one is itching don't oh. use it on me this one is sneezing don't use it on me this one is sticky please don't use it on me <laughs> this one is pink powder dye only on my hair if you really have to and then this one is glitter which is the devil so oh, far itching, away from me. sneezing <laughs> glitter Sticky pink stuff and pink stuff. And sorry, what was okay? Sticky. 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 I've also got them all written down here. Okay. Um, and basically, those uh, the ones of them that you would expect will, if used on a target, uh, they will have to make a con save or get uh, disadvantage on attacks and ability checks for a certain period of time. Okay. That I know. Awesome. I am going to use them eventually, and it's okay. going to be great. All right, cool. Maybe I'll even involve you in the prank. Like, you can help me plan it. Ooh, that'll be exciting. Yeah. And so next up, Yolanda. I like how we got the people at the end who 
yeah, it's pretty much just old NRP stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Yolanda, you spend the first couple of days doing some things around Lab Solidus. You get together with a couple of people. Uh, all the temples. Yes, go to all the temples. Spend a very worried period of time trying to sort through your feelings over this whole Arialar run-in, what it might mean, what he might be. You don't necessarily get a lot of solid answers in your research here, but you do get a few responses from deific figures within their temples, some a little more worrying, some a little less worrying. In Basil's temple, as you bring in the headpiece that you suspect is meant to be some sort of, uh, through your research, has seemed to be some sort of a simulacrum of one that she maybe was once made to wear. Uh, you see the statue glow red in the locations that the headpiece would attach to, and little wisps of smoke lift off of them. You're not quite certain what to make of that, whether it's a positive or negative sign, but you leave quickly, because just in case it's a negative sign. Talking to several of the other priests and sort of religious academics and scholars around the area, you do come to the conclusion that it is quite certain that if Arialor spoke to you, he couldn't be a god in the sense that they all know of gods, at least. Unless every one of them is entirely wrong about what a god entails, a god can't talk to a person. So... You figure he probably needs to be something not exactly a god like everyone thinks of. But that's about as far as you get. You're not certain what he is. Just an angel with delusions of grandeur. <laughs> Possible, or a wizard, or a god-like something. There are certainly several of the temples, when you go into the Temple of Asteliel, for instance, they mention that gods and devils are not the only forces. The very forces of nature themselves also have a voice. And so maybe he's one of those, like fate, or mother nature, or death. You do a couple of more performances, uh, earn some gold doing that and also make some holy water, able to earn some gold doing that as well. You take a trip to Sal Maurice with several friends, with Calry, who brings Mina along, and with Kyluria as well, which turns out to be a bit of a blessing in disguise, because while you're there, one of the things that you try to do is discuss some potentials for development of the town with primarily Horatio and Valentina, hoping to find new business opportunities or new, uh, you know, mayoral things that would need to be done on her end of things. Um, unfortunately, you don't necessarily know the most about business or being the mayor of a town or anything. And while Kyluria also doesn't know about being the mayor of the town, you and her and Valentina are able to brainstorm several good things that could work in the town to fit its potential new direction as a sort of romantically based getaway. 
And Valentina seems to be generally quite in favor of the idea as well, as does Horatio. Both of them have seen the positive impacts that your developments already have brought to the town, and they would like to be able to take advantage of more of them. Horatio has been able to bring in building materials from Lapsalidas that would have been expensive or impossible to find in the right quantities in Sal Almaris, and because of that, they're able to carry out some of these expansions, and you can see this. When you get there, they no longer have only the one inn. They now have two. And you also find that Father Orea's house, which you had freed last time, exercised in a manner of speaking, has now been converted into a community house open to the public to use as they see fit. They can cook meals in the kitchen, hang out in the living rooms, sleep in in the, the bedrooms or the basements. It is essentially there to provide to anyone who doesn't have somewhere else, or just anywhere looking for somewhere else to go for a minute. And it, it inspires some ideas in you, some potentials, which you're going to look up more on later. You You spend a fair amount of time catching up and talking to Valentina, talking to Horatio, talking to Father Orea and, and, and the others. And, and you have quite a nice time there with, uh, with you know, some, some good and fun and exciting developments. As you are going back on the boat to Lapsalidas, you have a dream one night. You go to sleep in the hold of your boat, in your nice little cot, and as you are sleeping, you have a dream. You're up on stage, again, at the Gleaming Eel, somewhere where you've become fairly comfortable. The music is playing, the crowd is excited, you're dancing, looking out at all of the bright and excited faces before you. In the crowd, you see two faces that you haven't seen before, those of Zlalga and Bellarel, which you recognize by their descriptions, if not by memory. They are watching you quite raptly. As you dance, you run out of clothes, but people are still calling for more. More. You, you dance around a little more, but they're calling for more still. You wear nothing, not a scrap of fabric, yet they're calling for you to take it off. Your hands reach up, as if for a garment, and grab your own shoulders. You peel your own skin away from yourself like the skin of an onion, painlessly. Slowly. And the crowd goes wild. They call for more. You pull off another suit of skin. They call for more. Skins start to pile up on the stage with coins, flowers, addresses scribbled on bits of paper, pieces of jewelry, handkerchiefs or scarves or undergarments of excited audience members, and every skin is exactly like yours. Every one that you remove, the same pink skin, the same hair, every freckle, every mole, every birthmark, every blemish, every feature you'd care to name, identical. And you also look exactly the same for having removed it. No matter how many you remove, you still look the same. No matter how far down you go, you still look the same. You seem not to shrink, though you lose track of how many skins you've shed, and still the crowd cheers and shouts. The stage is now made of nothing but skin, clothing, jewelry, flowers, and coin. And then, at the back, you see a shadow shift. The shouts and whoops of the crowd, the music of the band, 
everything fades away as your focus falls entirely on the shadow. A skull, half a skull, an animal skull, and half a face of some beast, a bear, with the fleshless half hidden in the shadow, its eye glinting. It looks at you directly and growls. What is it that you seek, my child? Is it something from them? Or something hidden within yourself? Then you hear a distant voice, a woman's voice, smooth, and the half-bear, half-skeleton, turns and trots away. And you waken. You're a little bit shaken and confused by this, but it doesn't seem entirely unpleasant, despite the perhaps somewhat disturbing nature of some of the things in the dream. It doesn't strike you as a nightmare. It doesn't sit in your chest like one. It's peculiar and unnerving to think about, but not entirely upsetting. Except for, to everyone listening, this whole chat is about how gross peeling, <laughs> peeling yeah. skin sits oh, away. Yeah. That's so fucking nasty. What the fuck? I'm going to take a brief moment here to read out the chat. Uh, want to be gross. Gross, 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 gross. This is a Black Mirror episode. I take back everything I said about not kink shaming. We should shame some kinks. A whole other kind of stripping. Skin peeling kinks are not okay. Did you not ever paint glue on your hands and peel it off in elementary school? I did, but I didn't flay myself on stage. <laughs> There's a very important difference between, like, peeling off a, a, a mask, like a peel-off mask, and removing your skin like a fucking snake. <laughs> if you're a lizard folk, sure. Sure, that's natural. Yolanda's not a lizard folk. No, you <laughs> don't know natural. what... You don't know what kind of things um, tieflings, tieflings can do. I, you're right. I don't. I know virtually nothing about D and D, but I know they don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> when you get back to Lepsalidas, you start on your plan and you find someone to help look for what it is that you're hoping to purchase. They don't find anything immediately of course they say they're going to take a few days but you say that's just about perfect because you're about to go fight goblins for a few days and uh, that pretty much covers you when she uh is in the city before they leave mm -hmm. um and she would tell valentina that she was going to do this uh when she's at the magic shop she'll buy two more tablets two more sets okay. of tablets uh, and she will send one on the ferry back to valentina cool yeah great also, whenever Valentina gets her tablet and writes on it, she would let Planeswalker and the rest of the group know that they have a line to sell on Maurice mm -hmm. if they want <laughs> to send any messages. Okay. That would happen... Weary as watchers, most likely, is when everybody, everybody yeah. will be together. It would be, it would be when you guys are at the goblins, basically. Yeah. 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 Uh, so. Calorie's turn. Yes. Oh. Calorie, a blast. Dun, da, da, da. Calorie. You went out on a on a very delightful and successful date with Mina. Mm -hmm. It was a lot of fun. She enjoyed the fish. First Karen if... happened though. 
You enjoyed the fish. Oh, yes, that's true. Karim did have him first. Okay, well, let's cover that, too. Uh, you... <laughs> you helped a very nice young trans boy uh, transition magically, immediately, by paying for him to use a sex-changing artifact in a sex shop, which he probably was not old enough to go into. <laughs> fine! It's fine! That's so pure, though. That's, He's like, the purest legal. use of sex toys. It was so Great. fucking cute, he was so excited. Aww. He was. Very excited, very happy, and you then uh, took him to his brother to be reintroduced. His brother was also very happy, but also didn't want you to get him into trouble. <laughs> because his brother knew you. Stop uh, that, you went, Dad! <laughs> you, you went on a delightful and successful date with Mina, and so much so, in fact, that when you asked her if she wanted to go visit Salamaris, she said, yeah, sure, that sounds fun. She went with you to Salamaris. You guys spent some good time there making making full use of the town, seeing the sights, and you went to the bazaar, got a couple of gifts there, and also helped Yolanda and Kyluria, Valentina and Horatio brainstorm some ideas. Mostly, you, you put in ideas that were jokes, but some of them actually got taken, so that's good. Um, and you also caused an accidental chicken storm. Bad. Uh, but after fleeing from the chicken apocalypse, you made it back to town successfully. Everything was fine. Mina went back to Lepsaladas on the boat, but you decided to go back by road so that you could swing by your hometown of Bakeshire. Yolanda graciously offering you her horse, Amaralai, well, horse, her mount, Amaralai, to use on the journey. He was very swift of foot and very, very accommodating to everything that you needed, plenty capable of understanding common. So you stopped by home, dropped off some things for your parents, remaining unseen from them like a gift-giving specter in the night, and got together with one of your siblings, Milo, having a nice little conversation with him and giving him a gift as well, which he... Hated, but promised to keep safe. He also promised to use it at least once. It was cutlery carved in the shape of genitalia. By the same by the same woman in Salamaris who carved the giant anatomically correct Minotaur statue that Planeswalker almost bought. I love it. Yolanda bought Kyloria an ocarina that was a lady bathing from her. Oh my god. <laughs> We're monsters. <laughs> you don't want to know where you blow into that ocarina. I'm pretty sure I know where you blow into that ocarina. <laughs> There's only one obvious choice. <laughs> so, so, Calorie, Calorie, after, after meeting up, meeting with, up Milo, with Milo, you headed, you headed off back, back toward Left Solidus. And on the and way, on the way there, there, as you slept, as you slept one night, one night in an in and in. You had a dream. Had a, dream. a special, a special dream. dream. Calorie. Calorie. You, you are at home. home. 
back, back again, again, big picture. In the tavern, tavern mother ran. ran. You've been You've roped, been roped into, into hell as well to deal with the dinner rush. Milo leaves to the crowd, taking orders and relaying them to your mother behind the counter. Another sibling takes round for which one place is so densely packed. A hundred faces you don't recognize. Your job, Calvary, is to serve drinks. Mug by mug, stein by stein, dole them out. But rather, but rather than getting, than getting you down, down as it as normally, normally would, would, this sort of drudgery, this whole, this whole thing, thing is putting, putting a grin, a grin on, your on your lips. Because, because you, you Calvary, Calvary, know something, know something they, they don't. don't. You, you know exactly what it is, what it is that, you, that put you put into their drinks. In, in every, every shiny, shiny metal, metal goblet's, goblet's reflection, reflection, in the glint, in the glint of, of every piece of cutlery, cutlery you, see you see the form, the form of an elderly, of an elderly gnome, gnome laughing, pointing, pointing, and it spurs, and it spurs you, on, you on, itching drops, itching drops hot sauce, sauce extracts from your father's mushrooms, mushrooms that will have people tasting colors and seeing music, music for hours. hours. Everybody's, Everybody's drink gets something else, subtly slipped in behind the counter and delivered to them unawares. The crowd starts to react. One furball yelps, yelps as, their as their hot sauce laced meat proves a little, a little too spicy. spicy. One half, one half jumps, jumps up on the table with a shout and starts, starts to dance to music, music only, only he can hear. hear. And, you, and become you become unable, unable to, control to control your laughter. Then, then you set your, you set your sights on others. On, others. on faces, on faces you, you do recognize. recognize. A man, a man confiscated, confiscated one of your whoopee cushions, cushions once and hit you with his cane, cane because he didn't, he didn't approve, approve of your shenanigans. A bully, a bully who shoved, who shoved one, of one of your friends to the ground and scraped up their, their knees. A thief, a thief who stole, who stole one of your brother Milo's, Milo's books. books. They, they get a little, little more than, than just hot sauce, sauce dripped from, from a little glass vial, and as you see them starting to cough, your grin only widens. The reflections shift. The mirthful gnome, gnome disappearing, and a shadowed and a silhouette, silhouette figure showing in its place. One of the arms, the arms is wrong, tapered to a thin spike just after the elbow, elbow. and the hair the is hardly huge and thick. And moving. And moving. Dotted, dotted little, little pairs, pairs of glowing, of glowing red, red dots. dots. The only light of visual detail of it in their outline, outline before they before step, step forward, forward and are illuminated. Hair like snakes. A face veiled. A body, a body covered, covered in, scars. in scars. You hear a, you voice, hear a voice, like a like chorus, a chorus of, his, of hissing whispers, whispers in your ear. Are you going to be sated forever with silly games and itching about trousers? Or will you one way search out how to The people you dosed Cough harder, harder, clutching, clutching at their throats, at their throats and, thumping and thumping on their tables. On their tables. You glance you down, down at the vial in your hand, hand moving your moving thumb, your thumb off, off the label and seeing it seeing for the first time. time. A skull and crossbones. Poison. Poison. Your eyes raise eyes again, raise to, again the tavern, to the tavern, and they're lying, and they're lying face, face down, down at their tables. Their tables. Faces, faces red, red but still. still. Open mouth. You look around, look around for Milo, for Milo, your mother, for anyone behind the counter or running between the tables, tables. You can't you see, can't see them. Your throat tightens up as you search harder. harder. And then, and then, who awaken? Who awaken? And you make your way back to Lepsalas. The members of the group who are in Lepsalas, that is, everyone except the Plainswalker, you meet up at the Limp Seahorse Inn. Uh, 
one, one evening, evening, basically, intending to, to leave the next, the next morning, morning to go out to and go meet out up with Planeswalkers in the forest. forest. So this can so be, this can uh, be uh, some, some handing over of gifts, gifts time, time, if you want, if you want or, or presumably, presumably people would notice, notice Armina's fancy, fancy new weaponry. Whoa, those are cool looking, Armina. Armina's kind of like just lost her thoughts, like serious bags under her eyes. Do you need some coffee? Armina needs the group to stop her from just working for four hours straight. Armina, are you okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're pretty good, aren't they? They they look really, really cool. They're real shiny. They took forever. I want want to keep them shiny. And she's like, you know, OCD, like wiping them clean. Polishing constantly. Yeah, it took me... uh, Seven days, eight days, I don't know. It's I lost track of time. And she's just like going in like a, a <laughs> sign of need. Oh, what, what are you guys up to? Well, um, just traveling mostly, seeing people, you know, relaxing. I got gifts for everybody. Oh, you got his gifts? What? Oh, I went to, well, I went to work at Tinsy. Kari, I already gave you your gift. You already gave but, me my gift. It's really um, cool. I, this is, I haven't seen you guys for a while. So, um, I, here you go, Armina. Um, you don't have to open it when you have a headache, but um, oh, I place a, uh, <laughs> well, it's kind of up to you if you can, if you can do it. Um, it's a intricate puzzle box. Um, and she just says, uh, inside is the actual gift, but I figured the puzzle box would be good to like keep something really special to you. You don't want people to get it. Um, but I kind of forgot how to unlock it, so. Armini <laughs> <laughs> Ar- just looks at it very puzzled, like very, very puzzling fashion. Yeah, yeah. Uh, thanks, sweetie. Um, I start moving a little piece around, and is it, is it one of those like Japanese buzz blocks where it's like you move tiles? Yeah. Around? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. how I envisioned it. Yeah. Yeah. And then when you solve, solve. Yeah. Yeah. It's interlocking, it's interlocking little, pieces little pieces that you can, that you can shift, shift around, around relative, relative to each other. To each some, other. Of some of them twist, some of them pull, some, some of them push. 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 And, and you know that you know eventually, that eventually, after, after moving, moving all of the right pieces, pieces just the right ways, just the right, just right amounts, amounts, you'd be able you'd be to able open, it open it up somehow. somehow. And inside is going to be a hollow cavity with presumably something in it. I give it a little shake to my ear. There's something, well, there's in, something there. in there. Can I tell based on the, the sound? Give like, me a give perception metal? check. Uh, yeah, give me a perception check. That will be the book of my perception. It's been a while. It's been a while. Been a while. Been a while. Uh, that will be 23. Woo. Nice, nice. It it is definitely, definitely something, something soft. soft. It's not it's metal. Not metal. Oh. Sounds like something, sounds like something soft, soft. Fairly, fairly densely, densely packed. packed. It, it sounds, sounds. It sounds like tobacco. tobacco. Or, something or something like that. Like that. Tea, Some I'm sort sure of, it's sort just of tea. Dried, dried small plant matter. matter. Yeah, tobacco, yeah, tobacco tea, tea, weed, tea, you know, whatever. You know, whatever. <laughs> Smoke the tea. Well, it uh, while you're trying to open that, um, uh. Uh, Planeswalker, I got you this plan. Oh, Planeswalker, oh, Planeswalker. Planeswalker. Oh, Planeswalker. Oh, Planeswalker. Oh, Planeswalker. Never mind. So you guys will finish this, and then I'll send out the forest, and then you can give like Yolanda, and we'll be done. Yolanda, I got you this book. It has lots of pictures in it. That I, th- I think you'll like the pictures. They seemed instructional. 
Um, and I also See, got you this. <laughs> um, um, it is it entitled, is entitled Joy. Joy. A guide, a guide to, explore to explore of sexuality. sexuality. <laughs> and and it, is, it is Kama Sutra yeah, stuff? Yeah. It's a Namish yes, Kama yes. Sutra. A Namish Kama Sutra. Namish Kama Sutra. Sutra. Oh. Um, Sutra. Once you once have you read it, read you it, will have an advantage, advantage on all checks flirting, flirting with gnomes. gnomes. Nice. <laughs> you know, I think Harry would like some of these pictures too. Because you could draw them. So open it to show Calry some other pictures. Armina looks. Calry, give me a con save. How flush does she get? <laughs> oh, that is, uh, that is a, wait, one second, skills. No, not skills. Ability saves. Yes, yes, that is 17! Yes. Okay, yeah, okay, you're, yeah fine. you're fine. You don't, you don't, your nose doesn't, doesn't bleed. bleed. You don't blush, you're good. You're good. I have experience now. Things <laughs> like this doesn't make, they don't make me embarrassed anymore. I have a girlfriend. I have, you have enjoyed a some things. Oh, yeah, she's seeing me oh, now. How, how'd the date go? Nina. Tell us all about it. <laughs> Quixie doesn't approve of anyone's significant <laughs> others. <laughs> Quixie's the real mom of the group. She's like, mm -hmm, you can mm -hmm. do better. None of you are good enough for my daughter. For my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> the, the date with Mina went really, really well. And it was, a, it was really, really fun. And Mina was really sweet. And she's very, very nice. They're real cute together. And she's okay. much taller than me. So it's kind of funny. Yeah. Armina is just like beaming, just like even though she's very <laughs> tired, she smiles knowing that. So you I cut you off a, a little job. bit. What else were you saying, Quixie? Oh, I, I I was just gonna say I also got you this, and it's just a knitted tube, I guess. It's a tail sweater. Yep, yep. <laughs> sweater. I just it I noticed a... that you were letting your tail out and free again, and I figured if we go up into the mountains, you might get cold, so you gotta oh. cover up your tail. Yep. But, but like, quick, not yeah, cover it up and hide it, but like cover it up and decorate it. She tries it on. <laughs> it is, it is, it is knit pink, pink with it, with a pattern, pattern that kind of that weaves, kind of weaves its, way its way around in yellowish, yellowish goldish, goldish yarn. yarn. Well, it fits, it fits quite, quite snugly. snugly. And, and uh, grants, uh, you grants you advantage, advantage on saves, saves against, against environmental, environmental cold effects, effects not, attacks, not attacks, while you are while wearing, wearing, wearing a sweater. Basically, Basically meaning, meaning like normally, like normally when, you when you sleep somewhere, somewhere cold, cold yeah, or, yeah, you or you spend time somewhere cold, cold you have to make a save or you get, yeah, get exhaustion. exhaustion. This will this help, you, help you out with that. Cool. Oh, it fits real well. And she'll swish her tail. Good. I'm glad. It was very um, confusing trying to explain it to the lady who was knitting it. But That's she good. got it in the end. I just That's said good. it was for a sneak. But... <laughs> oh. <laughs> the parameters are the same. It's very appropriate. <laughs> I just want a jacket for my snake. That's not that weird. That's not weird. Shut up. You're weird. I uh, I went to Salam Maurice and everybody was doing real well. Robert had babies. Oh yeah. The frog had babies. Oh really? Lots of tadpoles. How frogs reproduce? Well, no. He he said a name, but I don't I didn't know him. Oh okay. Is it is it Roberta now or or? Oh, I didn't ask. I don't think so. Anyway, he's got a little house and lots of kids. And he can speak some common. Oh yeah. Cool. So he's doing real well. And Turk's doing well too. He's the cook on the boat now. Made cool. a real good stew. That's good. He didn't seem to want to talk to me much though. I think he was embarrassed. Hmm. I'm really excited to meet up with Planeswalker. Do you know where he is? Uh 
Did Planeswalker actually tell us where he was going? I think, yeah, yeah. we planned yeah. to meet him. Yeah. 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 Where his watch is. Do we want to head that way? Might as well. We can talk um, on the I way. I need to pick out my chicken. All right. Oh, I forgot about the chicken. Who's been taking care of him? I instructed Eris to take care of my chicken. So hopefully <laughs> oh, he I'm, did. I'm sure he did. He was yesterday. Wanda also special. instructed Eris to take care of her chicken. <laughs> hey, you know what, what I mean? I didn't tell him to fuck the chicken. <laughs> no, you're to put it in the skin. Oh. We're at the Lim Seahorse, right? Who's yeah, behind yeah. the counter right now? Uh, right, uh, now, right now, behind, behind the, counter, the counter. It's evening, it's evening so, it's so it's Mina. Mina. But, but uh, you would have gone, up, have to gone up to your room by this point. By this point. And, and Clucky is, Clucky up, is there, up there, along with, along with a, a bag, bag of chicken feet. Chicken feet. Like a medium-sized medium bag, bag of chicken feet, feet. has been, has put, been in put in there. In there. Wow. <laughs> the equivalent of taking care of them is locking them in a room with a bag of food. <laughs> yeah, fat chicken. Good to go. How fat does Clucky look? Chicken, chicken. Fatness. fatness. Chicken fat. He it looks like, look like chicken. chicken. Too much weight. No, no. I mean, he's I mean, chicken. He's chicken. Calvary will grab her chicken and take him downstairs. Um, uh, uh, she will fashion her jacket into like a little pouch for him to sit in. Like a baby bjorn. Ja- like, <laughs> like, 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 just try to try to button it button up, it around, up around, around, kind of thing. Kind of thing. Yeah. So that he's up against her chest and, right, you right. know, because he's not, he's not going to move really fast. Be a tunic style, style thing that has like a, has belt, like a belt around it, so you cinch, so you cinch up, the cinch up the belt underneath him, him a little it's bit. It's like a baby Bjorn, but baby Bjorn, yeah, yeah, okay, sure, okay, yeah, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. A clucky yeah. Bjorn. Chicken head. Chicken head. Yeah. But yeah. Oh, go ahead. I put it in chat. What? I have what? some magic things that you have mentioned are magical, but Quixie was identifying the things we got from underwater, and at least one of them did not get identified in the stuff that you gave her. But you told what? me what it did. What was not identified? Oh, the oh the the statue. The statue. And then if they were detecting magic, if they would um, if they would be able to tell if anything else we picked up was magic, since it will go through. Um, a certain amount of layers. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember um, a statue. <laughs> there was a, there was it a was statue a of Priyaja. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which is a, a, a little, little fertility, fertility idol, idol of, 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 of the. Uh, the uh, let me guess. Advantage on getting yeah. pregnant? <laughs> Uh, uh, no, <laughs> no, but if you, uh, if you uh, undertake you certain, certain special rituals with this, this uh, icon, icon, then, then oh, you, you might, might become pregnant. pregnant. Has a certain, Has a certain chance, chance of instilling, instilling pregnancy. A in dildo chance. of immaculate conception. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so, you know, so, you know, don't use, don't that, use carelessly. that carelessly. Well, I mean, if you present that to Quixie to identify it, she will try and identify it. Yep, and then when yep. she realizes what it does, she'll look very seriously at Yolanda and say, Have you been using this for the last couple of weeks? Because we need to talk. Why would I put a holy symbol? Well, no, sorry. Sorry. That's not what she would say. <laughs> she doesn't know what using it means. Because she doesn't know what using it means. She'd be like, well, I don't really pray to Priyaja. Uh, I was just keeping it so that if somebody on the road needed to talk to her, they could. Um, 
Hmm. <laughs> Quixie Quixie's weighing the. Uh... <laughs> Quixie's buffering, buffering. So the way that you pray to Priyaja using this particular object is by inserting it into um, your vagina. Oh. And apparently <laughs> it will turn, it will possibly impregnate you. Oh. So oh. I would recommend not praying to Priyasha with this. No, I don't want to Unless do that. you are willing to accept the consequences. Right. And I Yolanda. don't think it's something that your condoms can fix. Yolanda's going to wrap it up and put it back in her bag with the crown. <laughs> They're going together. Yes, this is equally dangerous. <laughs> no. Oh, okay. So Can we get on the road? Yeah, you folks, um, it, it's the evening uh, time at the moment, but you finish up your meals, and then in the morning, first thing, you head out. Get we'll have our meal. mules in our carts. Oh, yeah, um, I will probably Calorie will probably pick up before they leave more rations and stuff. How much for yeah, chicken? That's cool. That's all good. So you folks all get together uh, the next morning. You get all the you get the mules and everything ready, and you head out on the road. You make your way a little bit faster this time than last time because you're not taking your time trying to find things to do trying to find bounties to take care of or trying to find problems to fix you pretty much just go quite quickly along the road pretty much as quickly as you can actually and as a result you get it to or you're going to get to the place much quicker than you did the first time around but on the way there uh your trip is not entirely devoid of interest if I can stop dropping this d4 uh, as you're going there on the side of the path on the side of the road at one point you see a, a small clearing that has been trampled down and then some sort of what looks like a summoning circle that has been inscribed into the middle of it there in ash and with candles set up around the outside of it and you take a look at it and four quixie yeah you hear zixix voice in your head oh looks like they were uh, trying to summon a succubus probably a bunch of horny teenagers <laughs> did they succeed uh, I bet they got more than they bargained for, because they, they definitely got some of those symbols wrong, and that would not have brought a succubus forth. What would it have brought? You're holding out on me there. Uh, that probably would have brought your more standard, uh, it's like a thing with like three heads, uh, kind of like a dog with big horns and uh, a scorpion tail. Would I, this I thing have stuck around? We don't really have a word for it. Uh, I don't think it actually worked. I think they didn't finish the, the, the circle, right? Because oh. they got like half of it, well, 90% of it is like a succubus summoning circle, but then just a little bit of it is that guy, so. Okay, how likely is it that this thing's going to go off? Duh. Nah. Not with no one here. Okay. I'm still going to... Unless you want to make it go off. No. I could guide you through that if you no. want. No. 
No. It would be pretty funny. <laughs> I still think you need to read a dictionary. Um, no. It, it's not funny. Yolanda would use her site to make sure. Um, Quixie will, will tell people what yeah. the circle does. Um, she's, oh, is she gonna, yep, she's going to pretend that she just knew this information and it didn't come from Six Circle. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> um, and then she's going to proceed to try and, like, scuff out the circle. Okay. Yeah, easy enough to Yolanda do. Yolanda would help her. Yeah, yeah, easy enough to do. Using your sight, uh, there don't appear to be any sorts of those entities around, nor does this thing specifically seem to be charged with energy right now. Armina, taking a look around, you don't notice any tracks or anything like that. So it doesn't look like something escaped from here, or like the people fled with any degree of swiftness or anything. More likely they, they came here, tried to do their thing, it didn't work, they left. You keep going on your way. Further along the road, you hear a soft noise and a cat comes up out of the long grasses. You, Armina, meowing softly. Oh, he's a little cute little thing. Come on. Do the little animal noises. Come on. Come on, little guy. Come on. I reach in, pull out a piece of jerky, and I hold it out. I crouch down, so I'm as small as possible. And I kind of like go you pet her. forward toward it. I um, go and pet as I, that happens. As it happens? Okay. As soon as the cat can get close enough to get the jerky, it grabs the jerky and turns and runs away. <laughs> but you have time to get in a pet before that little lingering ghost of softness on your fingertips. Greedy little bugger. Oh, he was cute, wasn't he? He's real cute. I was thinking about getting a cat. Yeah, I've always wanted a cat. A couple of Chris hours has later. allergies, so unfortunately, I couldn't get a cat. Aww. Cats are later. adorable, but not later, as cute as chickens. A meowing noise again. The <laughs> cat comes back out of the out of the bushes and out of the grasses. Comes up to calorie this time. It's got what this time? Goes up to calorie this time. Oh, oh, meow. Calorie meow. bends down and gives the cat one of her pieces of jerky and tries to pet it cautiously. As you bend down, it is just like staring at Clucky. But as you offer the piece of jerky, <laughs> it grabs the piece of jerky, runs off into the bushes. Oh. You keep going along. Maybe you should have given it the chicken. No. I don't <laughs> want a cat to murder my chicken. Well, I don't know that it would have murdered the chicken. They probably would have had a battle or become friends or would have had playtime. Murder is not as easy as you make it out to be. We're just collecting animals as we go. <laughs> Obviously. Um, and a couple hours later, just as you're kind of listening for cat noises again, you see the forest. It having taken uh, basically the entirety of the day. The, the sun is low, low in the sky now. Darkness is spreading across. The sun is actually below the horizon, just the glow of it left. But you make your way into the forest uh, fairly quickly and meet up. As you're getting to the point of saying, okay, we can't 
we can't go any further. This is, we, we gotta set up camp. You meet up with Planeswalker, and we're his watchers. Hey! hey there you are! How's it going? Excellent! How are you, my friends? Doing good. Here, I, I made a new friend! Oh. A plant. Yeah. You made a new friend? Yes. And I will um, rummage around in <laughs> my the pill bug. <laughs> He's there. Are you itchy or what's, what's, oh, wait. Look. Oh, oh it's a bug. pill bug. Oh. He's a bug, but he wears such an excellent suit of armor. What a cutie pack. It's, like it. it's a pill bug. And you're friends yeah. with him? Yeah. He well, wants to come with us. Does he have a name? Nas. I didn't think to ask today. I, I can ask eventually. What do you want to call him? Well, I, I don't know. Probably hasn't had time to think of a name yet. But we'll have to see how he fares in battle. Right. Um, I, I got you a present too. She shuffles. Okay, first I want to see Quixie's plant. She handed me that. Mm-hmm. I hand you a plant. Yes. <laughs> you hand a plant. The plant is looks like just a, a mess of these pale whitish tendrils, uh, sort of succulent-like. And Quixie tells you that it needs to be fed organic matter instead of sunlight. It needs okay. to be fed. Good Stuff. thing I listened to the description before I encouraged my pill bug to make his home on the plant. <laughs> <laughs> the Venus fly. Yeah, trap. I wouldn't put your new friend on your new plant, but I got you the plant because you wanted to talk to trees, and if you want to go to work at Tinsy, there's no trees, but there's these plants. And, Interesting. Um, so maybe you can practice speaking to underground plants next. I will attempt to converse with it. Okay. And then Yolanda. You said you had something for me as well? Yeah, it's in here somewhere. I'm just assuming she was rummaging through her bags. Here it uh-huh. is. <laughs> um, oh, here you go. And she hands you a sack. Excellent. It will go with <laughs> my other sacks. And then she hands you a knife. Oh, <laughs> thank you. I didn't actually have one of those. Wait, yeah, I, well, I do have one of those now. And I'll pull out the glass-like knife. Oh. I found this. I guess you don't need this one then. But you can I still have I it. I think this one might break if I tried to like use it. It doesn't look very strong. Can I, oh, looks like can I see or that? Armino like sort of gestures. Detect magic. Out. <laughs> I will okay. hand it over to Armina as she wants to see so it. So it's obsidian, right, Jared? Or yeah. Obsidian S. Can I yeah. use my stone cunning to assess? Uh, yeah, roll, roll me, roll me the. Uh, Is it like the swords you saw? Sixteen. Or I mean, uh, Sixteen. Okay, looking at it, you can tell that it it does bear some cursory resemblance to to the shard blades, but it is definitely not a shard blade. Okay. Um, it does appear to be made of a. To you, you know it as volcano glass. Um, but it's a it's a an occurring naturally occurring material that comes from volcanoes. Dwarves particularly have been working with it for millennia upon millennia, uh, primarily in the mountain city uh, Zamkazum, or in the mountain of Zamkazum rather. Um, 
mountain slash volcano. This one doesn't appear to have been of dwarvish make. It seems to be more more primitively fashioned than the dwarvish things. You think this was probably a fairly opportunistic thing? The the hilt is interesting. It's not like it's just stuck in a piece of wood or something, but the blade itself seems to have just been a naturally occurring chip that was then mounted into a quite fine and nice hilt. The hilt seems to probably be of human make. Okay. You just so found it, it wouldn't break. It would definitely break if enough force was applied to it. To be used for something gentle or careful, yeah, totally fine. Uh, it wouldn't be probably much harder to break this than it would be to break glass. Okay. Like it, would probably, I, it would be harder, but it, it, it'd be way easier to break this than a steel knife. Okay. I relate that to Planeswalker, and I'm like, um, it's a very nice uh, blade, Planeswalker, but I wouldn't stab anybody with this. Like, use it to cut food or something. You just Where? found it in the forest? Um, yes. You found it in the cave of that uh, half-man, half-boar beast. Yeah, I found it uh, after rescuing a gentleman from a... um, I I hesitate to call the one who took him a gentleman. (laughs) But uh, a a pig man. Oh. A pig man. like complete opposite of saying gentleman. Yeah, well not... I, I don't know much of his character other than that he kidnapped people and had random trinkets in his cave. He he looked like like a boar and a man. Uh, he was real ugly, huh? I mean, he wasn't good to look at, that's for sure. Weary, I got you a present too. Oh. Yeah, um... Rummage, 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 rummage. So pull out a tablet. Yeah, I know. Are you it, saying I need practice writing? No, but I could draw boobs on. It's fun. I could, I could get some. Anyway, she'll pull out the the matching one and she'll have one uh-huh. weirier. Like, I just thought it might be nice if since y'all are out here and we're gonna be other places, and she'll write on hers. Hi. Very slowly. That is not as much fun as drawing boobs. And then she'll draw boobs. (laughs) Because Cowrie told her to. Uh, Make me a uh, dexterity based performance check. That is a nat 20. Oh shit. That's some good boobs. That's some good boobs. Yeah. But yes. They're 3D. She starts to grin and chuckle at it and then the grin just widens and the chuckles come more freely. I mean, how can I complain with a magical chalkboard that shows me tits? <laughs> that sounds great. How much does this cost you? Well, that's not real important. Yes, it is. It costs a lot of I'm not money. I'm one for favors and being beholden. Well, it's not a favor. It's so our groups can stay in touch with each other. If you want to pay us back, you can give me money so I could learn more spells. Uh, <laughs> roll a persuasion check. We're Excellent. Advantage, because Quincy's oh, helping Oh, jeez. <laughs> um, 
That's a 22. Oh, Ooh. she's a persuasive gal. She rolled a, <laughs> she rolled high, so. Yolanda cannot meet her eyes. It was, it was about 200 gold. Well, that's like four spells. <laughs> All right, yeah, well, I can't complain. It was a gift, so that accounts for a portion of it, but I'll pay you back for a portion if you wouldn't mind, because, you know, communication can be helpful. And it is a two-way street, after all. All right. She's going to make an insight check. Uh, except that's a nat one. <laughs> so she doesn't know how Yolanda took that. That's good. Right. Unless Cowrie helps her. Sure. Does Cowrie <laughs> sure. consider Weiria an ally? Okay. Yeah, yeah at this moment one. in time, she considers Weiria an ally. Oh, wowzers, and it turned into a 19, uh, <laughs> plus some. Uh, so is is Yolanda legitimately amenable to being repaid a portion of the tablet? Would she feel uncomfortable with that? Does she want it to be just a gift? Uh, was she wanting it to be a personal gift, or did she legitimately mean this to be a means of communication between the two groups? Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Basically... Uh, Yolanda doesn't mind being repaid. Like, she doesn't care about money. So, like, it was a gift. She was happy with it just being a gift. She's fine being paid back for it, too. She's mostly happy that we already accepted it. Uh, okay. She is... There are people in the group that want to stay in touch, and it is, like, a useful thing. Mostly she wants to talk to Weiria. Weiria reaches into a corn purse, rummages around for a minute, and then gestures for you to hold out a hand slaps down what's in her hand into yours now be careful with that don't let it go falling out or anything just tuck it right away all right um, we'll put it into a purse and you notice it's it's only one coin mm -hmm. doesn't appear to be gold silver copper or platinum it's a greenish goldish type metal um, and it doesn't seem to bear any sort of insignia in it, the sort of seal that you'd normally expect on a coin. But what it has in its place, carved into one face of it, is the word favor. Oh. I, I don't know what this is, but thank you. You're welcome, and you're very subtle. Has anyone ever told you that? No. <laughs> For good reason. Walker is a quick learner, and Yolanda's subtle. Uh, of all I the character think, development <laughs> I think that's probably a great place to end up uh, thanks folks I think this was a, was a pretty good experiment uh, next time you know we'll be able to go ahead with, with other stuff I uh, didn't get to get placeholders yet everyone. and oh sorry what? go ahead yeah. okay. Never mind. Uh, I retract all of my goodbyes I'm sorry no you're, you're good you are good I'm, I messed up you go um, it's on there. Yes, Daredevil. I have a special gift for you. I didn't get gifts for any. Should I have gotten gifts? Were we supposed to be getting gifts? <laughs> I only well, got gifts I'm for you. To too. It was useful. I didn't get gifts for it anybody. Well, I did get gifts for other people, but just people I was sleeping with. I just wanted Fair. to give gifts from my hometown because I feel like. Uh, we've talked about it a lot, and I wanted to show you kind of what you could get there, so. Uh, th this gift didn't cost anything, so oh. 
it's it's fine. I, I, I stole it. Uh, <laughs> you stole it. I was going to ask you. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. So I pull out of my bag <laughs> a cask. What was no? It's not a cask. It's a bottle. It's a bottle. Flask. Of, a flask of okay. ale. I will take a swig. What does it taste like, Jam? It uh, it tastes very peculiar. Uh, give me a con save. I was gonna say, oh, I didn't have to roll a con save for that one. Also, I mean, you stole it. It's your family's stuff. Like yeah, that's the equivalent but... of like, oh, I went home and I took an apple out of the fridge. I stole this apple. It's like, did you though? I really, you really it? wish I could have rolled one lower so I could re-roll that. Um, oh, no. no. That would be an eight with my plus six con modifier. Oh, God. It's not, it's not terrible. It's a, it's a little more sour than you were initially expecting. And you kind of cough on it a little bit. It's definitely a, an alcohol of some sort, though. You can feel that kind of familiar burn to it. There's something to the taste, though, that you're really not used to. This earthy, umami type of flavor. You don't know what it is. Mommy and sour. Yeah. Fascinating. It's my father's mushroom beer. He's been working oh. on it. Oh, so he what didn't steal it. I, I, I definitely stole it. He doesn't know I took it. <laughs> would, he be mad if you, would he be mad if you, st- if you, you stole it? Probably not. But, you know, he'd probably be mad that I didn't tell him that I was there. You know, I, I imagine the flavor will grow on me. Much like a mushroom. Maybe it'll cause mushrooms to grow all over your skin. It's experimental, so. And then I could feed them to my plant and to my friend. Yeah, exactly. Useful. Oh, man. That's great. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Can I, I think feed that's... some of the beer to the plant just before we wrap it up? <laughs> some of the beer? Can I you, try? You can pour some on the plant, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just kind of, it soaks into the soil like uh, water would. No. The tendrils of the plant do shift a little bit, curl up a little, and stop moving again. I think it prefers it if you put like a bug in it or something. Ah, I'll try that one next. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe not while I have Speak With Animals cast, though. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. What about dead meat? Yeah, that could also work. Dead meat it likes. Yeah. Just, just a screaming bug. As he <laughs> just, gets no, 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 please, no, I have a family. I have 8,000 <laughs> brothers and sisters. No, no, don't kill me. Don't kill me. Instead I of, have children. Instead of walk, 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 it's just like, escape, 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 so this was fun. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, folks. Thanks for getting together for this. I think it worked pretty well. A couple of little technical issues, but overall it was good. Uh, Thanks for getting together. Fun, fun session. Not maybe as, as interactive as some of them, but covered a lot of good stuff. And the next one is going to be, yeah, action packed. Um, Goblin time. Goblin time.